For some of you, when you think about family history, um, it has some painful thoughts and you don't really want to remember or talk a lot about your family history. For others, our family history brings up fond memories, meaningful memories, connections that are really important to us. That's kind of where it is for for me. My my family uh, memories are are connections with grandparents and stories about people that have come way before me. Um, I've even got pastors in my lineage that go way back to the old country in Norway. And and so when I think of family history, I am enjoying trying to tell my kids about it. And I I try to keep them um, informed about their family history so that they know what it's about and what God has done throughout it. So, So when we're talking about family history, we've got one side or the other, right? Sometimes for some of us, it's painful, it's hard, we don't really want to talk about it. On the other hand, there's things for some of us that are really great to hold on to and to remember, and they're part of who we are. Our text today is kind of like that. It's more on that side of things, where the Apostle Peter wants to remind us who we are and what Christ has done through in us, and through the work of Christ and our faith in Christ, what he's done in our lives. And he wants us to kind of understand our lineage and our heritage in Christ. And the first part's going to remind us that because of the work of Christ and what he has done, that real change has occurred. In fact, it's deeper than just change. It's, it's not just internal transformation. It's actually a change of our position, a change of our family, our, the change of our heritage, the change of our lineage. So sometimes we focus on the internal piece, and, and that's important, and we're going to see some of that today. But there's an external piece, a declaration of who we are and who our family is and where now we identify. So as we unpack this this morning, I, I want us to kind of have that as our backdrop. And remember what we just saw in the video, that this letter was circulated throughout the churches from the Apostle Paul, and it was, excuse me, the Apostle Peter, and it was to help them to stand firm in the face of suffering and persecution. So I'm hoping that you'll hear this today and that you'll, you'll see the purpose for which Christ saved you. Why did he save you? Why is he doing these things in your life? And it's really an exciting passage, even though it's small. I hope you'll stick with me today to hear how exciting it is what Peter is saying to us. So let's just dive in. We're going to take it a section at a time and work through it. But I hope that your ears will be alert, despite the frailty of the messenger, I always say, that your ears will be alert to the text and what God is trying to tell us through it. So here's what he says. He starts out, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, we could just stop right there because there's a lot in there. So I'm going to pause and just kind of walk you through it a little bit. Now think of if you were a Jewish reader of this letter, you were going to jump all the way back to the Old Testament because you've heard some of this before. If you were a Gentile reader, you're not as familiar with the Old Testament yet, but as time goes on, you're going to, and you're going to see these connections. And here's what a Jewish person was hearing as they heard this, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. They're jumping all the way back to Exodus chapter 19. Think about the thread. We're way back in the second book of the Bible, Exodus 19, where God says this, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession among all the people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There it is, all right there. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. God is telling Moses, tell the people this, if they will follow my commands, they're going to be a treasured people to me. 
because I own all the earth, but they're going to be called out from them. They're going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Just what Peter says here in 1 Peter. They would also know Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, which says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. That's the backdrop. That's what's happened in the thread. That's what God has been saying to the people of Israel. And now Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And after Christ, Peter and Paul and all the apostles will say there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ. And Peter starts out by saying, you are a chosen race. We belong. We belong to God. I'm going to invite you to put your name in there this morning. Do you really believe that, that you are chosen? Each one of these things, I want you to think in your mind the word, and then I want you to put a dash next to it and put your name in it. You have been chosen by God, the God, the God of the universe. Does that matter? I think that matters, right? That you have been chosen. And then he says this, that you're a royal priesthood. Now, there's actually two things there. First is royal. You're royalty, part of the king's family. Now, hang in there with me, because you think I might be going a certain direction with this that I'm not going to go today, okay? Because I'm going to show you at the end of this that you're not the center of the universe. But God looks at you and has chosen you and has now made you royal, part of the king's family. Not any king. What king? The king. Whoa, new steps. The king. A royal family, the royalty of being in the king's family, the king of the universe. I hope that that seeps in this morning, that you would put royal and that you put your name next to it. And then a priesthood. So we've got this royalty. Now, I've been chosen by God, and he's made me part of his royal family. He's the king, and he's also a priesthood now in which I can go directly to Jesus Christ, but then I'm a mediator of that for other people. In the Old Testament, the priests mediated between God and the people. The church today, you and I, are to be representatives demonstrating to the world around us the greatness of God. Paul's going to use the imagery in 2 Corinthians 5.20 about being ambassadors. So we could put that. We're we're priesthood or slash ambassadors. We're supposed to be go-betweens in which we now know Jesus Christ and we tell other people about that. We're to represent or go-between and show those around us the glories of God. Now think of this. Put your name in it. You've been chosen. You are royal and part of a royal family and now part of a priesthood. We're not just something kind of common and ordinary anymore when Christ comes and gets us and chooses us and changes us. And then he goes a little farther and he says we're a holy nation. We're a a new allegiance. It's a new country that we're part of. And he uses the word holy, which has two connotations. One is moral purity and conduct, our obedience to his commands. We've been set apart as holy And so set apart is the second piece of it. So he's put me to the side, I'm his, and now I'm supposed to be living in a way that reflects that, which is the moral conduct of of holiness. So, okay, think of this for a second now. Put your name in there, chosen. Put your name in there, royal. Put your name in there, priesthood. Now a holy nation. There's a whole lot of things there. There's a whole lot of things that I hope today will encourage you, that will make you stop and reflect on who you are. 
just like your family heritage, this one has a lot of good news. There's not hard news in this one. There's good news in this one that you, your name, have been chosen. And you've been made a royal priesthood, a holy nation, chosen to be a people for his treasured possession. Put your name in it. Your treasured possession of the king. Remember what Deuteronomy 7, 6 said? Out of all the people of the earth, a treasured possession to the Lord. Now, if we just stop there, we kind of puff ourselves up and go, oh, yeah, I guess I'm pretty great. I am important because Christ died for me, and he has chosen me, and he has made me part of his royal family, and part of the priesthood to mediate him to the world, and part of a holy nation. But the question is, why? Why did he do all that? And that's the next part of the verse. That you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He did all that so that you can proclaim, I can proclaim how awesome God is to take me from darkness and bring me into the light and now choose me and make me a royal royalty and a priest and a holy nation. He has done all that, pulled me out of darkness so that I could proclaim the goodness of a God who would do that for me. Do you see how the, the churning part here and what's so important, and if you don't remember anything else today, this is the most important part of this message, is that the universe doesn't revolve around me or doesn't revolve around you. The universe revolves around God and his glory. And you and I don't make very good gods. And so if I, in my life and my world is all revolved around me and what I want, and what's going to make me happy, I become my God. You know, uh, one of the definitions of God is whatever is the object of your ultimate concern. And if the object of ultimate concern is me, the object of ultimate concern is my family, if the object of ultimate concern are any other things, they make poor gods. But if the object of my ultimate concern is the God of the universe, then I have it in the right perspective. And so P Peter isn't wanting them to read this first verse and go, wow, how awesome am I that I would be chosen and that I'm royal and that I'm a priesthood and I'm a holy nation. He wants us to see that we've been taken from darkness into light. That we might proclaim the excellence of him who called me. Think about this now, and now you have to put your name in this as well, that you were once in darkness. Now, I came out of the darkness at a pretty young age. I came to faith in Christ at four and a half, so I knew Christ pretty young. But you know what? If you come to know Christ at 104 and a half or four and a half, it's the same thing. You are in darkness, dead in your transgressions and sins, and now been made alive in Christ Jesus. That's awesome news, and that's marvelous light coming out of darkness into marvelous light. And sometimes it's hard for us to see that sometimes, that we've been in darkness. And now he's bringing us into this marvelous light where we can look around and go, whoa, I'm chosen. I'm royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation set apart so that I can do something. What? Define myself, identity, define my purpose. All of those are not bad things. But all of this has happened so that I can proclaim the excellencies of the one who called me out of darkness. So that I might proclaim Christ and be able, and this is just some of the words that I came up with. You fill in other words that come to your mind. What are the excellencies of Christ? 
his holiness, that I can proclaim his holiness, I can proclaim his compassion, I can proclaim his patience, I can proclaim his forgiveness, the peace of Christ, the love that he has, I can proclaim his grace and mercy, I can proclaim his sacrifice on my behalf. You see, why he has taken me from darkness and brought me into light and chosen me and made me a royal priesthood and a holy nation is so that I can proclaim how excellent it is to go from that to that. (laughs) But if I don't know and if I don't understand what a big deal it is to go from this to this, I'm not really going to be excited about the excellencies of Christ. If it's about me, I'm going to go, well, yeah, I'm a pretty decent person. I'm glad you chose me because I could be a good asset to your team. <laughs> no. No, if we're, if we're not seeing this right, if we're not seeing this rightly, we're going to have the focus be all on us. And he wants us to know, hey, I did this because I love you, but I also wanted to put you on the podium as a trophy to my excellence. And so whatever God has done in your life, it is amazing. Do you know that? If he has forgiven you, that is amazing. If his spirit has come in living in you, that is amazing. If he's starting to produce the character of Jesus in you, that is amazing. And he wants to put it up here and say, everybody, hey, take a look. Take a look at what I've done. Because verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, now you've received mercy. He says, you weren't anything before, but now you're God's people. You and I were just wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. I just saw one of those TikTok reels. I don't know what it was I was watching, but, you know, the sheep laying there on the side of the field, and the girl gets out, runs out to the field, tips it back up on its feet, and it runs off. (laughs) You know, it's just laying there on its back, and it can't get back up on its feet. Have you seen the one where... The sheep runs down the row and jumps right into the, right into the ditch, right? And they go and they pull him out of the ditch, set him out, and he runs down and jumps right back in again, <laughs> you know? And you're just like, what? You and I, wandering around without a shepherd. We were wandering around trying to find our way in darkness, bumping into things. And what Peter is saying, now you belong to a flock. You, you, you were not a people but now you're God's people. Does, does that connect with you this morning? That you are God's people. Not just a person wandering around. You belong to God. You belong to his flock. We've been looking for meaning and purpose in a lot of different ways. And this is one of the things we see throughout our culture today. We're looking for it sometimes in good ways. We're looking for meaning and purpose in marriage. We're looking for it in parenting. We're looking for it in some sort of relationship. We're looking for it in career. We look for it in pleasure, maybe sports, maybe being connected with other kinds of communities. We've been looking for it some way, somehow, and then God shows up, and in his mercy, which is undeserved favor, he makes us part of his people. That should make you and I go, wow, (laughs) In my notes, I just got, wow. Because <laughs> as I was working on this, I'm like, man, I'm just out here wandering around. And now he makes me part of his people, which have been in existence since the beginning of human beings who have put their faith in God in the Old Testament, looking forward to what Jesus was going to do. In the New Testament, we're looking backwards. But all of us saved by faith 
and that we're part of that, God's people. This is how one commentator puts it. Since it is true that believers have a new life principle, chosen chosen generation, a new access to God, royal priesthood, a new government, holy nation, and a new owner, his own special people, it will affect the way believers live life. That effect is described in the following verses. If all this is true, chosen nation, royal priesthood, holy nation, people chosen specially by him, his people, that should change something. That should do something. And the Spirit comes in and helps us to see this, and it starts to change how we see things. Now, this is what he says, how it changes. This is verse 11. It says, Beloved, I love this because he's using language like that. Nothing is ever wasted in the Scripture. So when somebody says, Beloved, he's saying that for a purpose. Listen, listen, church. The Apostle Peter is saying, We're beloved. And he was saying to those who are reading his letters that they were beloved. And then he says this, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. How does all this impact our lives? Being chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, being set apart. That we should urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls. So these beloved he's talking to, he's saying that now how does this get lived out in the flesh? We live as sojourners. A sojourner is one who's passing through. The old, old church would talk about that. We're just passing through. A little harder sometimes in the current day because sometimes we want to grab on and hold on to here. I'm getting a little bit closer to the other end of the journey, right? So I see it just a little bit more. In fact, I just, side note, just had a tragic thing just yesterday on Facebook. An old, old friend from church growing up. She wasn't very old. Passed away in her sleep at 60. And I was looking at that. She's a little older than me, by the way, just saying. But, but she was a dear friend. She's with Jesus now. But it was shocking. I was shocked. It hit me. Our families grew up together. We were clo- and she's at the end of this part of the journey. Sometimes we do hold on to this part a bit tightly. And what Peter is trying to say is we want to live and be present and see all the things around us as important but understanding that we're sojourners, we're just passing through, we're exiles, we're, this isn't our homeland, this isn't where we're going to stay forever. And so he's using that kind of imagery, and we've seen that in the Old Testament and other places in the New Testament. Exiles who are away from our true homeland, which is a heavenly homeland. A homeland where the rule and the reign of Christ is complete. And can you imagine that day when the rule and reign of Christ will be complete over all things? When the rule and reign of Christ, when the earth is no longer struggling with sin and all the things that we have, it'll all be eradicated. That's a beautiful picture to think about. Now, depending on where you're at in the journey. Sometimes when you're younger, and we have a lot of students here, right? And I I worked with students for a lot of years, and at that stage of life, sometimes you want to live before Christ comes back. And then there's others of us going, I hope it's pretty soon. <laughs> we should all be at that place of understanding that he has called us out, and the way that we're supposed to live on this side of heaven is as sojourners and exiles, realizing this isn't our home. But it's interesting um, how, what he calls us to do. I want you to see this part now. What does it mean to live as an exile? Okay, so I'm a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, Being his own people, 
What are we to do as we walk through this as sojourners and exiles? This might surprise you. This is what we might think we're supposed to do, but this is not what he says. What are we to do? Stay away from people who think and act differently than we do? Scold everybody for their terrible conduct? Isolate ourselves from anyone who might make us feel uncomfortable? You know what it says? What does it say in the text? To abstain from the passions of our own flesh that war against our souls. The enemy that will keep me from living out all of what I previously have stated so far is me. The enemy that will keep you from living out all that we just stated so far is you. Your desires and passions are what are warring against your soul. My desires and passions are what are warring against my soul. I put a lot of it on everything outside of me, <laughs> right? There's a devil, there's a world, there's a culture. I don't like to spend too much time going, there's a me. <laughs> and there's a me that have passions that war against who I am as one who's chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, someone being one of God's own people. And yet, there's a war that still goes on inside of me. And the real issue is the war that's going on, raging against my soul. And it's the passions of my own flesh. It's the things that are outside of who I am, being chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, that want to draw me into something else, to being something other than that. And those are those passions that war against my soul. On this side of heaven, I have those passions. You can look it up in Romans chapter 7. Paul talks about this war that's going on inside of him. Anybody who reads it usually goes, amen. That's what I experience, this battle going on inside of me. If you have a battle going on inside of you, welcome to the journey, okay? We're all there. But he's saying, once I come to understand who I am, then I see that battle differently. And the battle are the things of the passions of the flesh. And so he says, I urge you as sojourners, as exiles who are not living in your homeland, you're on a journey. In that journey, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. And it's not just a war about sin. It's not just a war that we wrestle with. It's warring against my soul. Did you know that there's an enemy outside of me that wants to destroy my soul? And then I have my own passions and my own struggles, and those two things come together, and it's a mess, right? There's a battle going on. And I want to remind us that there's that battle going on. And yet, there is a hope in that battle because we're chosen people. The royal priesthood, people set apart, a holy nation. And the spirit of the living God comes in and starts working in us and through us. And so then he goes on to say this in verse 12. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Our role and the Holy Spirit's role is to help our conduct to be different among those who don't know Jesus. Those who don't know Christ, that our conduct would be so honorable that it would be honoring to Christ and they would see it and go, all right, as much as I don't like their message, I can't deny that their conduct is different. So that when they speak against you, even declaring, according to this passage, even declaring that you're 
proclaiming Christ as something evil. So even when you're proclaiming Christ and they say that that's evil and wrong, they'll see your good deeds and your good conduct and they won't be able to deny it. And they'll have to glorify God at some point for that conduct. Have you ever experienced that before or known somebody like that? I knew a story one time where a person was like, because they took a moral stand on something, their, their, their co-workers were like, boy, but I know you to be like this, and the moral stand that you take I think is bad, even though it was right, I think it's bad, but because of how you live your life and you've lived it in such a good way, I got to wrestle with this because it's not working for me. It's not clicking. I want to think of you as bad because you've taken a moral stand according to the Bible, but I can't see you as bad because I've worked with you and I know you and you're a person that loves people and cares for people. And Do you see what I'm saying? Have you had that experience and know somebody like that? I've seen that before. Well, I want to be mad at you, but you live in such a way that you've cared for me, you've helped me out, you've been good to me. So I wrestle with what does that mean? And one of two things will happen. They will give glory to God on that day that they come to faith. Maybe you can think about, hey, how about this? If you came to know Christ later in life, Maybe you can think about somebody who used to bug you who was a Christian and you used to not like because of the conduct and they were living right and you're just like, ugh. And then one day you come to Christ and you see them differently and you're like, wow, I really appreciate them a lot. <laughs> That's one place where this will happen. When he says, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The day of visitation is one or two things. The day they come to faith and now they see and understand different. Or the day of judgment. A day of judgment that they won't be able to deny the honorable conduct that they saw in your life. One day we all answer to God, right? And this is talking about one of two things. Either the day that they come to faith and they see this person differently in their honorable, honorable conduct. Or the day they stand before judgment and they see that honorable conduct and they can't deny it. They said, yes, this person was in my life and they conducted themselves in such a way that they honored and glorified Christ, and I can't deny that. God's going to be glorified one way or the other. And so in both of these things, as you live out your faith, God's going to be honored and glorified by somebody coming to faith because they saw your conduct or somebody being so angry at your conduct, but it was so good that they couldn't deny it, and they just didn't like it. All right. What are we going to do with all this today? I hope this is connected with you some. It's like I always tell you, you only have to listen to it for a half hour. I got to spend a week, two weeks just, just being immersed into it and how the Lord just puts it on my heart. And this is what I hope, this is what I was hoping you would take from it today. This is what we call our pastoral burden part of the message. My burden today is this that you would leave here today marveling in and being overwhelmed by the truth that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Not so that you can feel better about yourself. Because you know what? Having higher self-esteem doesn't happen until we're, we're focused on Jesus Christ. Because we understand who we really are and what our real value is. Do you know that we live in a culture that wants us to elevate our self-esteem? But you know what studies are finding? That that's really not our problem. We have pretty high self-esteem, even when we're struggling because we're thinking about who. 
Did you know I worked in prison ministry? Did you know that the surveys show that mo- most people intuitively would say that men in prison have low self-esteem? The actual is just the opposite. The self-esteem tests are out, over the, out, out the roof or over the top because their whole lives have been about themselves. <laughs> That's why they commit crime. Because I just want this, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. See, our issue isn't that we need greater self-esteem. Our issue is that we need to see the greatness of the God who chose us. The God who made us a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's where we find our identity. That's where you're going to find the value is when you see who you are and then you do the next part. That you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That your focus would not be on you, but on proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. If you want to find value and meaning in life, that's where you'll find it. You'll find it when you take the excellencies of who Christ is and make that known. That's part of my pastoral burden today. The third part of my pastoral burden today is that you would live as sojourners and exiles. To be careful how deep your roots grow, go while you're living in a foreign land. Connect with people, love people, do all the things that God is calling us to do. But also remember, this is not our home. This is not the last stop in the journey. And we're supposed to live as sojourners and exiles. And the last thing, the burden that's been on my heart is to call you to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Those passions are trying to kill you. And then the enemy's trying to kill you. Jesus wants to give you life. All right. So what are we going to do with it? Here's my application. Here's my shameless plug, too, that if you do not receive our recap, uh, every Monday or Tuesday we send out a recap of the message with some announcements. Just tear off that little piece at the bottom of your bulletin. Put your email on the back. Throw it in the offering plate. We'll add you to the list, and we'll send you the recap if you're not a good note taker, all right? But here's the applications, and they're always in the recap. Spend, I really, really plead with you to do this. Spend some extended time this week reflecting and meditating on verses 9 through 10. Let it sink deep into your mind and spirit. So spend some time this week meditating, reflecting, and let it go deep into your mind and spirit, verses 9 and 10. Second, ask yourselves these important questions. Is the focus of my life about me and on me, or is my life moving toward more Christ-centeredness and focus? Where is your life moving? Is the focus of your life on you and what you're about, or are you moving toward a more Christ-centered life and focus are his plans and purposes becoming your plans and purposes these are questions i'm asking myself i want to invite you to ask them third application is identify the passions of the flesh that are waging war against your soul be honest about them look at them find them see them and then with the help of the holy spirit and with the support of others because accountability is an important piece of this then abstain from those things Find a way, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the help of others, wage war against those passions in your heart that are waging war against you. Don't do it on your own, though. And we're a place, and I want you to know this, we're a place that we're real. I mean, we've seen a lot of things. I've been around, so I've seen a lot of things. There's nothing that you're going through that will shock me. There's nothing that you're going through that I'll say, I can't talk to you about that. All right? We can be real here and talk about real things and the real passions of your soul that are warring against you. We want to come alongside you with the power of the Holy Spirit 
to help you wage war against them. And we're not going to be like, oh, we can't talk about that. Finally, we invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to live in such a way that your actions and your words will proclaim the excellencies of Christ for others to see and to hear. That's why we always talk about as we leave here, delighting, displaying, and declaring the gospel. It's my hope that you'll leave here delighting in who you are in Christ, verses 9 through 10. And then it's my prayer that you will go out and live and declare the gospel, the excellencies of Christ, verses 11 to 12, and, and be able to, to take that out there with excitement, not like, oh, this is really scary, but to go out there and go, all right, this is the very reason he pulled me out of darkness into light, so that I can bear witness to the excellencies of what he's done in my life. That's my big hope today, that you'll see that he took you from darkness into light, the excellencies of all of that, made you a chosen people, a royal part of his family, a priesthood, a holy nation set apart, 